Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gebbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is September 29th, 2020, which means I am on day 290 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen, that kid is incredible. Imagine being Patrick Mahomes. This year has been a good year for Patrick. He won the MVP of the Super Bowl in February. Then he got a $450 million contract signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Then he became part owner of the Kansas City Royals. Then he got engaged to his girlfriend who is smoking hot. And of course, yesterday, he destroyed the Baltimore Ravens, even after it looked like they had a chance to come back. This kid is on top of the world right now. The only problem with that is, once you reach the peak of your success in life, there's only one direction left to go, and that's down. Unless this guy is able to just continue to win Super Bowls and wow the crowd, never gets injured, and ends up buying the Kansas City Chiefs one day too, then I see no way that any year in his life will be better than this one. Congratulations to you, Mahomes. You are Mahomey, and I am jealous of you to the fullest degree. This guy is going places in life, folks. If you want to be like someone, be like Patrick Mahomes. He's a success. He is like every girl's dream. And this kid can play football. He is already smashing records and throwing more touchdown passes than anybody. I say there's one person close to his stats right now, and that's Russell Wilson. But still... The youth will prevail in this circumstance. Way to go, PM. Now, we all know Mark Cuban is a nice person, a do-gooder. He spends a lot of his money on charities, helping people. He even has that show where people go on Shark Tank and show him one of their products, and he decides if he wants to give them financial help to grow their business as long as he gets a specific portion of it or percentage or whatever. But what a lot of people don't know about Mark Cuban is that he takes the time out of his day to specifically help NBA players or ex-NBA players in this case that are in need. Case in point, Delonte West. Now, a lot of people remember Delonte West playing with the Cleveland Cavaliers next to LeBron James and scoring a game-winning three after LeBron passed it to him against Washington in a playoff game. Yes, the highlight of Delonte West's career. The low light, recently being seen on the side of the road in Dallas, Texas, holding a cardboard sign needing help with grungy clothes on, wearing loafers because he's broke as a joke and is a bum now. I mean, this guy played in the NBA as recently 
as a few years ago, and here he is, flat broke, on drugs, on the street, he claims because of his bipolar depression. Now, I don't know how it's possible that you could get paid in the millions of dollars, which I'm sure he got paid, and somehow have nothing. I mean, what did you blow that money on? What type of drug costs that much money that you have none left and you're begging for change on the street? That's crazy to me. But Mark Cuban was not having it. When he found out about this, he tracked down Delonte West after a few attempts and got him to agree to meet him at a gas station where Cuban swooped him up in his Tesla or one of his really nice vehicles and actually took him to a hotel and told him he would pay for him to go to rehab. Now, I certainly hope Delonte West takes this offer because he's not going to find a better one. And he's 37 years old. His basketball career is probably over. But I'm certain, given his track record and experience in this sport that he loves so much, he could very easily find himself an assistant coaching job at a high school or maybe even college eventually where he would get paid enough money to stay off the streets, to stop doing drugs, and to get himself a place to live. This could be a great success story from an ex-NBA player who suffers from mental illness and is a drug addict. Apparently, the NBA changed its format to guarantee that a mental health professional will be on staff for every team at any point in the year because so many of them suffer from depression. I mean, I don't understand what's happening here. Am I saying this right? Are you being depressed because you get to play your favorite sport for millions of dollars and fans love you and people want to be you and they ask for your autograph and you are treated like a god everywhere you go and yet... You're depressed. Now, I'm sorry for being insensitive. Everyone knows I am. But these guys are being pussies. That's it. You're being a pussy. Take your oodles and oodles of money. Build yourself a giant, you know, ducktail-style vault that you can swim through all your money in like Uncle Scrooge and stop being a mamby-pamby little baby you are filthy rich. Everyone wants to be you. Ladies want to be with you. There is no reason to be depressed. You should step into the shoes of a lower to middle class individual like myself and see what life is like when you truly struggle, you pussies. Hugh Jackman's wife, Deborah Lee wants the world to know that her husband is not gay. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny that she has to say that to the world. But you know what? There's been a lot of speculation in Hugh Jackman's career that he, in fact, is actually gay. Starting in 2013, 
when he did a Broadway show which found him kissing a co-star on stage who's a man. He has also gone to make movies and do singing and dancing that typically can't be pulled off by your average straight man. And there's also the latest movie he made where he portrays a gay uh, principal of a school who is closet gay and in one scene he ends up making out with this guy and throwing each other on a bed before they have sex, which led me to think, I mean, I don't know how you do these things without being gay. You know, if I'm a Hollywood actor and I'm getting paid millions, I'll probably do whatever they want. If they're like, hey, you know, we want you to stick your freaking hand down this guy's pants, but we're going to pay you a million bucks. I will just grit my teeth, imagine I'm somewhere else, and do what I have to do to get paid. Because that's a million bucks. I could use a million bucks. And everyone around me would be really mad if I didn't accept the million bucks. So I understand where he's coming from when he does these things for money and he's still obviously not gay. But in the end, it does seem like it from an outside perspective that there's a high possibility he's a homosexual and nobody cares. It's, we're not going to judge him for it. If you're gay, you're gay, dude. That's fine. But here is his wife claiming once and for all that he is not and she's sick of people saying that and she finds it to be offensive and although it doesn't personally offend Hugh Jackman because he is gay but she says he's not and everyone needs to stop saying that about him and it's rude and it's hurtful and all this other stuff and I think what it really is is that she's mad that she's married to a gay guy and it offends her when people point out the truth. Well, sorry, Deborah Lee, but Wolverine, yeah, he might not be as hardcore of a straight-up killer as you may think. He might be a softie who likes dancing and singing and fashion, and he might also like dudes. <laughs> Conor McGregor's at it again. This time the Irish idiot is talking crap about Dana White and posting a private message between him and Dana White on Twitter to prove to the world that he claims he never turned down the chance to be the backup fighter in the Khabib Ferguson bout that was supposed to happen at UFC 249. But Khabib was stuck in Russia, if you remember because of the COVID. So instead, Ferguson fought Gagey, who beat him. Justin Gagey, the real backup in that fight, came through and won, and now is set to defend his interim championship belt against Khabib Nurmagomedov in October on the 24th at Fight Island. This is going to be a massacre of a fight and a fantastic pay-per-view. And it seems like Conor McGregor is just McJealous of the fact that he's no longer in the UFC and he retired, even though he claims next he's going to fight Manny Pacquiao in a boxing match. 
This is my problem with McGregor. He only takes fights that he honestly 100% thinks he'll easily win. Except for the Mayweather fight, which I have to believe he knew he couldn't beat Mayweather in a boxing match due to the defense and shake-and-bake style of Mayweather, which is why I hate watching Mayweather fight, because it's boring, and all he does is avoid the other fighter until they're tired, and then wins by decision every time by having a few more actual punches thrown than the other guy. All I know is this. First, McGregor would only fight Cerrone earlier this year. That's an easy win. Cowboy Cerrone has lost like a million fights in a row. His career is over in the UFC. Goodbye. Next, McGregor wanted to fight Sanchez. Diego Nightmare Sanchez, who we all know just lost to some nobody young punk this weekend. And his career's over too. I mean, that guy is just a washed up has-been who comes from the very first season of the Ultimate Fighter reality show, or one of the first seasons, and this guy wants to fight that ancient man. McGregor, why don't you pick somebody who actually stands a chance against you so that people can see a real fight? Instead, you take these paydays for boxing matches, in this case against Manny Pacquiao, who I predict will find a way to win like Mayweather did, without any excitement of any kind occurring, making it a super boring fight between two washed-up has-beens. Pacquiao is smaller. He, his arm length is not as long. So he will have to find a way to avoid any possible punches from McGregor that I don't think will be able to be thrown as fast and as wholeheartedly as somebody who has been a lifetime boxer like Manny. McGregor has ground game two and kicks because that's what he's trained for. MMA. To go into these boxing matches with legends like Pacquiao and Mayweather is just stupid. It's obviously money only. You don't even think for a minute that you'll win. You just want to get paid. And the UFC fights you want to fight are ones that you know you'll win because they're against washed-up has-beens. How about you go back to MMA and you fight someone who actually has the skill to beat you, like Khabib Nurmagomedov or Justin Gaethje, and if you beat one of those guys, then you'll prove to the world that you're actually one of the great fighters instead of this guy who flashes his D to a girl in France and gets arrested or this guy who throws a chair through the window of a bus and cuts up some UFC fighter's face and gets sued. I mean, he's known more now for his stunts outside of the octagon and his ridiculous choices of fighting inside the ring than he will ever be known as a legendary MMA fighter that he could have been if he wasn't such a punk-ass, whiskey-drinking douchebag. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we have all been waiting for. And that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. 
And today, folks, I am going to tell you the story about when I narrowly missed getting tipped $1,000. Yes, I was thinking about this the other day because one of the bartenders I hired at the bar I work at downtown, he was tipped 300 bucks by one person the other night. And I was like, you know what, that reminds me of every time that I don't work, somebody gets a miraculous tip. And it's not because they work better than I. I'm the best worker of all time. I take pride in the fact that I know my product that I'm selling. I have a very strong selling point, And I am an extremely dedicated and fast worker who can accomplish large volume of a large volume of work in a short period of time, more so than anyone I've ever met, which proves that me, being a worker, I will be better than anybody, I promise you. I make it a point to myself. I become obsessed with being the best, and I always am. So it has nothing to do with that. It's always by chance. And here's a time that I'll prove to you it was by chance. So when I was working at Fox Sports San Diego Grill downtown... A lot of my stories have to do with this place because I spent nine years there, so I spent a lot of time. There was a guy that would come in dressed like a bum. I'm telling you, grungy clothes. He stunk. We barely let him come in, except that on the first time he ever showed up, he produced a credit card. He was like, hey, uh, you know, I'll start a tab. Here's my card. And we're like, all right, well, you know, it's slow today. There's nobody in here. We'll serve you. And if your card goes through, that's fine. But, you know, typically when you look like a bum and you have a credit card, we're going to need to see some ID. We're going to need to prove that this is yours. and You didn't just steal it or whatever. So he provides his ID and his credit card and they match. And it's a picture of him. It definitely is. We can see that it's him, even with his grungy bearded face. So we be, we begin to serve this guy. And I... I remember seeing him one time. He was super weird. He would order all top shelf everything. He would talk about how his mother was rich and owned this major corporation and gave him a credit card, but he hated money. He hates the idea of money. He hates that money is a thing that makes us all go so crazy. So to prove that he hated money to his own mom, he became a bum. Yes, he could have been rich, could have had a mansion for free, cars, whatever he wanted, but he hates money, so he just spends her credit card wildly, and I just, I'm like, I don't believe this guy, he's freaking nuts, he's probably on drugs, whatever, I'm sure he figured out a way to just get a credit card with his name, I don't know what he did, but it doesn't matter to me, but that day, I was off work, and the, the night bartender came in, so I got cut. And I, I go home and I come back to find out that he had tipped the PM bartender 500 bucks. So that's 500, you know, that's not a thousand, but I'll get to the thousand. It, it gets better. So he tips 500. And why did he tip it? Because he asked them to change the music, which they obliged because there was nobody else in there. And for that alone, he gave them a $500 tip on the credit card. You change the music for me? Here's 500 bucks. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. The person who received the tip is one of those partiers, young kids. They probably went and blew the money on booze and hung out with their friends, maybe did some coke. 
Meanwhile, I have a family. Like, I need that money. I need money more than anybody at that place every single time I work. And I just narrowly miss the 500. So he comes back, like, a couple days later, right after I left... Uh, no, right after I was called by my manager. I was supposed to come in and close. Somebody came in at 4. I was supposed to be in at 6. I would relieve the 4 o'clock person who would have stayed till about 8, 4 quick hours. And then I would close until 11 p.m. And I would make the majority of the money because I would get 5 hours out of it. And they would get 4 hours out of it. So I receive a call from my manager and they're like, hey, it's so slow in here. You don't have to come in. The person who started at 4 said they will close if you just want to take the day off. And at that time, I was working five, sometimes six days a week. And I I always was the closer, almost always, except the day that I missed that 500 bucks. So I figured, you know what, fine. I looked at my wife, I'm like, hey, should I take the day off? She's like, yep, if it's slow anyways, you're not going to make any money. Don't waste your time. Because driving from Imperial Beach to downtown San Diego, you know, it's a 20-minute drive. So I'm like, all right, skip it. Let the guy close by himself. I'll take the day off. Thanks for giving me the call. So I take the day off and I come back the next day to find out that that same bum was in there. And this time he tipped $1,000. Yes, the thousand that would have been mine because I was supposed to work that shift. In fact, the dude didn't even show up till like seven. So it wasn't as if he was already there and that's why the other bartender had the manager call me off. Because that would have made more sense. He would have been like, oh, the guy who tips crazy amounts of money's here. I want all the money to myself. Call off the other bartender. I'll close solo. It'll be fine. No. It was simply by chance that after they called me off because it was so slow, he showed up at 7, tipped $1,000 once again to a person who has no wife, who has no kids, who has no bills to pay, and I narrowly missed it. And it was simply because they got him extra dressing for his Caesar salad. Yep, I'm not kidding about this. This is a real thing. A bum would come in to my work and tip hundreds and sometimes a thousand. And every single time, it was when I wasn't there. He did this five different times including one time where he was shouting profanities and racial slurs and my manager told him he had to leave and kicked him out and he never came back. I'll let the guy call me anything he wants if he's going to tip me a thousand bucks. You tell that guy he's allowed to come back and you tell him he can sit there the whole time and yell all kinds of cuss words and racial slurs at me all day long. I do not give a crap. As long as he's given me a thousand bucks. I mean, thanks a lot, manager, for kicking out the one guy who tipped just like a idiot with his mother's credit card. And I never got a chance to just even get a sliver of that money. And I know it's it's not right to me for me to think that I deserve that money. I don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. But just to think that by chance, out of the five times he went there and tipped like that, I was never working, even though I worked there more hours than any other bartender, and I was there every day, and I just narrowly missed that thousand that day, and I desperately needed it because rent was due, and 
I was low on funds and it had been slow for like days in a row there. No one was making money. It was like winter. There was no convention in town. It just goes to show that sometimes, folks, when you don't get that miraculous massive tip in a hospitality scenario, it's simply by chance. It has nothing to do with your ability or skill or if people like you. It just so happens that the roll of the dice didn't roll your way and you missed out. And that's how it was, it seems like for me, my entire career. But that's fine. I've always worked for my money and I've made it. And I respect it. Wherever that bum is out there, feel free to come into my new job and tip me a thousand. I'll change the music to hardcore rock. I'll change it to country western if you want. Whatever it takes to get that thousand dollar tip. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners. Thank you, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, a lot of people think it takes money to live that glamorous life, but for me, it takes friends, family, and an all-around good time. But in case you still wish you were rich, we all do, here's a song that reminds us of the glamorous life with that title by Sheila E. It's nine minutes long. I hope you can take it. And you may judge me after this because why would I even have this in my playlist? Well, sometimes you gotta dig that old school jam and here it is for your enjoyment.